everyone, and welcome to Orphan Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain media. How do you like that? We're so popular now. <laughs> Tuning into some classic TV with me this month is Lydia. Welcome, Lydia. Thanks, Christopher. I, I got a new app on my phone. I was just playing it. I've got like my own sitcom soundtrack now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> it all aligns. <laughs> uh, so how have you been? <laughs> really? While we're recording? <laughs> okay, you're right. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I've been snowed into Arkansas this week. It's been pretty crazy, but... Uh, oh, everyone's been snowed. It doesn't seem to matter where you are in this country, you're snowed in somewhere. That is true. It's been crazy. <laughs> well, I'm glad we were both able to thaw ourselves out long enough to get together and record and watch watch a little classic television and uh, and re- record some little some thoughts about it. It. I would say this is this has been an interesting experience. I learned a little bit that uh, I wasn't expecting to learn, but that happens every time. Yeah, well, I think this is going to be as much of a sort of um, lesson in classic TV as, as as much as anything. I actually ended up doing a, a little bit more research in the subject than I really thought. Well, more than <laughs> I have in a lot of previous subjects that we've covered. <laughs> right. And so I've learned quite a bit. So it should be fun. Let's go ahead and take a short break, and when we come back, we'll jump into it. Comedy. Drama. Horror. Sci-fi. Killer mattresses. Hercanos. Bears in noodle shops. Unnecessary sequels. Hasselhoff. Men torpedoes. Hear about all this and more on... Green Light, Red Light, where all of your Hollywood dreams come to die. Only on the Everyone's Got a Thing podcast network. Everyone'sGotAThing.com Man torpedoes. All right, welcome back. As we said, it is classic TV this month. Specifically, some early American situation comedies. Now, I, for one, was kind of looking forward to watching these old shows and seeing what, if anything, has changed in the last 50 to 60 years. <laughs> uh, as it turns out, not a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true, actually. <laughs> it is true. Especially, I think, between this early period in the 1980s, uh, you know, maybe even early 90s, there's just so little that changed. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I think maybe now, well, there, I, I won't say that, because I think there is still a little bit of the same stuff going on now, but you're right through the eight. I mean, I was watching these shows and it was like, I'm sitting there watching family ties, Cosby show, mm-hmm. uh, night court, I, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. cheers. It's all right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wanted to give a little history of the early days of the sitcom. Uh, the first televised sitcom has been credited to a UK program called Pinwright's progress. This was from 1946. And that followed the exploits of the owner of McGillygally's store as he dealt with a rival store owner and his staff. But unfortunately, no recordings of this program remain. And that's unfortunate because oh, wow. I would have loved that to is. have seen that. <laughs> I, I agree. That would have been a valuable piece of history. Yeah. Just from the description, though, it kind of I have to think that it would be a little bit like, um, are you being served? If you've ever that watched actually, that. That's exactly what I was thinking of as well. Mm hmm. There's actually, there's a new show called, um, oh gosh, I'm not going to be able to think of it now, but it's about a department store that, that sounded a little bit like also British, but um, maybe I'll think of it later. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. 
Uh, here in the United States, the program Mary Kay and Johnny uh, aired in 1947, and that takes the spot as the first uh, TV sitcom here in the States. It starred real-life married couple Mary Kay and Johnny Stearns. Uh, the first the first episodes aired on the Dumont Television Network. Yes, there were other networks besides CBS and NBC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dumont uh, ceased broadcasting in 1956, uh, and unfortunately, almost all its programming was destroyed by the 70s. And Dumont was, you know, one of the very early television networks and it is that is I, I read that and i just almost cry mm-hmm. to think of all the things that have been lost from this you know some purge of space that they, they needed exactly and unfortunately it's kind of a sad state of a lot of these early programs i mean many of them were shot live if they were recorded at all the recordings were recycled or thrown away and even in like Dumont, I mean, they hung out and it wasn't until like the 70s, which kills me because it's right before, you know, the birth of cable and the birth of home video. Exactly. You know, it was like so just, all of that's truly lost. If you could have just waited five, ten years, you could have had an outlet for these things. <laughs> Such a shame. Anyway, uh, on the uh, Mary Kay and Johnny the Stearnses, the creators, they created and wrote the scripts uh, with most of these stories taking place in the young couple's apartment. And again, this all sounds very similar to some sitcoms into the 90s. This show, this is a neat bit of trivia, was the first program to show a couple sharing a bed and the first series to show a woman's pregnancy on television. Uh, Mary Kay became pregnant in 1948, and after unse- unsuccessfully trying to hide her pregnancy... The producers wrote it into the show. Wow. And then um, in 19, December of 1948, their week-old or weeks-old son, Christopher, thank you, good name, <laughs> appeared on the show and became a character. Uh, now, this last bit of trivia, that's often attributed to I Love Lucy. I mean, I've always heard it was I Love Lucy. That was the first, you know, pregnant woman on TV. But no, mm-hmm. this was uh, it, it, something predated it. But again, sadly, no recordings remain. Oh, man. Again, that would have been really fascinating to see. It absolutely would, because the first thing again, I'm reading this description. You know, young couple, you know, New York apartment. I'm thinking, this is mad about you. Oh, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of too. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Well, we're going to move on to a program that does still have some episodes to view, <laughs> and it's our first topic of discussion. From 1949, it's the Goldbergs, and this is not to be confused in any way with the current sitcom of the same name. Oh. Yeah, there is one. I've never watched it. I just know that it exists. I <laughs> but have I, not heard of I, it. I can, I can almost guarantee you that the two share nothing but the name. <laughs> <laughs> that seems likely. <laughs> yeah. The Goldbergs was created, written, and starred Gertrude Berg. And it was originally produced as a radio show beginning in 1929 on the NBC radio network. And it jumped to CBS radio in 1936. That was before my mom was born. <laughs> it was before a lot of moms were born. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was CBS that began airing televised versions of the show in 1949. Uh, Berg continued to write every episode. And overall, it spent nearly a decade on television, despite a bit of turmoil over co-star Philip Loeb. Uh, 1950, we enter. We just talked about this on one of our uh, more recent uh, episodes, talking about the um, 
the Red Scare and the, the Blacklist. Unfortunately, Loeb was blacklisted, and CBS wanted Berg to fire him. Yeah, she resisted. The show sponsored backed out, and the program was moved off the schedule. Wow. Well, good for her, though. Yeah. This is something I wanted to to mention. You know, many of the early televised sitcoms had their starts as radio programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the TV, when it, the, the television network started out, they were trying to pretty much figure out, okay, we've got a TV network. What are we going to air? And they looked to all their radio programs to find, you know, a source of entertainment, a, a source of, um, I don't even know what programming. I'm, uh, thank you, a source of programming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so many, many shows that we see were just visual uh, versions of the radio programs that had been airing for a long time. That's kind of redundant. How's that? Well, I mean, you listen to it on the radio, and then a couple years later, you see it on TV. Yeah, that's true. And I'm sure they recycled a bunch of stories, too. They they did that even all the way through uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, that's absolutely true. The entire true. first series. <laughs> that's true. The first season was pretty much the rehash of something you already saw. Exactly. Almost line for line in some cases. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, the show wasn't done with uh, the whole blacklist and everything. NBC offered to pick up the show, but... Uh, they also insisted that Loeb not be part of it, and eventually Berg did relent, and the, in the, it was put on NBC under the name Molly, and that aired into the late 50s. Uh, it did jump networks one more time to the soon-to-be-defunct DeMont network. Mm. Okay, this episode we watched for Orphan Entertainment was from September 1949, and it's titled Cousin Simon. This show I thought was interesting, and maybe this is just 21st century me looking back and not, I just wasn't expecting something from the first half of the 20th century to not only be written and in many ways produced and created by a woman of ethnicity, but that the entire focus of the show (laughs) would be around this Jewish family. And that, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, arguably, you could have predicted that by the title. Um, well, yes, okay. But that said, I I agree. I noticed that she was the writer of it, and that that surprised me alone. Not to mention, um, you know, her involvement. A couple of other things that'll come up, I'm sure, as we're talking about it. But but yes, her her involvement on such a a large level, to such a large extent, was very surprising to me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And they didn't shy away from the fact that this was a story about, you know, an ethic, a Jewish family. And, you know, even even the way she talked, as soon as she introduces herself, oh, sorry for talking out the window. My cousin Simon's here. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> it, it is a you know, probably a first generation um, immigrant family living in New York. Uh, it was it's just. It was a lot of fun. It was just so interesting to see. And I'm thinking, you know, it's not too far from this that it seems like television starts shying away from anything that's too ethnic. Mm-hmm. And I, honestly, I I was it. This is definitely my my uh, 21st century self looking back. I was a little bit surprised by how casually they treat this Jewish family. <laughs> it's very stereotypical. And, mm. uh, and I had to remind myself, okay, this is at that time period where, you know, people weren't so PC. We weren't, 
so concerned with, you know, the politics behind things. And, and it was okay to be a little bit, to treat something a little lightly that now we're not allowed to. Uh, you know, that where, where most people didn't think about, oh, you know, how dare they, you know, treat them with, as such a strong stereotype. We, we don't do that anymore. But back then it was not such an issue. People weren't as easily offended, it seems. Well, and I don't know, I almost, I'm not sure how to say this. I think now if you have someone speaking like they do in this show, you would do it as a joke. As a caricature, exactly. As a caricature, exactly. And I don't think that's the case in this. I think this was I just. I totally agree. This is just how the, you know, first gener- generation immigrants, this is how they were. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just a mirror of their life. Maybe a, a, an exaggerated to slightly, mm-hmm. um, certainly to well, try to pull was- out a little bit of comedy, but it was still just, it was them. Well, and that was something, I mean, I, I sort of hate to put the two in the same sentence, but it. I wasn't sure if they were treating it like blackface or not. I I honestly was confused. And then I think a lot of the reason I was confused, and this occurred to me in the second program we watched, but watching this entire episode was a little awkward for me because I didn't know what was meant to be taken as a joke and what was meant to be taken seriously. And I didn't understand what the holdup was, where that disconnect was, and why I was so hesitant to laugh at anything until we got to the second program and they had a laugh track. Yeah. This, this program has no laugh track. And so you're watching it going, Oh, I don't know if that's supposed to be funny or not. So we, you know, <laughs> we don't laugh because we don't know if it's supposed to be funny. We don't want to laugh at something that's not supposed to be funny. Um, but you know, and then when we got to the second program and there was a laugh track, I, I laughed at stuff I didn't understand. <laughs> I, and, and I mean, we'll get into that when we, when we get to that part, I'm sure. But, but you know, it, it, that I had no idea how fundamental a laugh track was in comedy just to let the audience know it's okay to laugh at this point. Um, right. so I, I don't want to get into that right this second, but, but that was, I, I struggled so much just starting off with this particular episode because I just didn't know when it was okay to laugh. And so I, I didn't like it. <laughs> I think this is the perfect time to bring that up because it's so, it, it's just so it's so obviously missing. I mean, it was probably a good five, ten minutes into it before I finally listened, heard something. And I thought, okay, that's actually kind of funny because I did, yeah, like you said, I didn't have any cues prior to that. That I almost started thinking, this is a comedy, right? I thought I read that it was that's a comedy. Exactly how I, yeah, I, I wasn't sure, and uh, yeah, so so it's interesting when you're watching it, it's a little uncomfortable because you just don't. I, I could, I thought it was supposed to be a comedy, but then. Nobody pulls a face. The only time that they break that third or that fourth wall is when she's doing the intro and the exit to the episode, and she's talking directly, of course, about Senka. (laughs) How did you like the the embedded the embedded advertisement at the beginning and the end of the show? It It was so great. Hello, everybody. Excuse me for talking to you from my kitchen window. I'm, I'm just in the middle of serving supper. My cousin Simon is here for dinner. I, if I could spell, I could write books about my cousin Simon. But he's a cousin, so maybe silence is golden. But between us, don't let it go any further. If Mr. Goldberg could, could pick a cousin, it wouldn't be Simon. You know, sometimes 
sometimes I really think that maybe it's something in which he indulges. I, I, I mean that. I mean, I once read a book, you are what you eat and you are what you drink. And that's, that's something to ponder. For instance, let us say, just for instance, if you drank Sanka coffee, and it's, it's a marvelous coffee, it's, it's a delicious coffee with a wonderful flavor, and 97% of the caffeine is removed and the sleep is left in, and you can drink as much as you like and, and, and sleep. What is the logical conclusion to conclude? That it's good for restlessness and it's good for irritability. And then look, restlessness and irritability, oh, what that can do to the natural environment of the system, don't ask. And if it does cost a penny more, what's money if in the morning you can rise and shine and brighten the corner where you are? I, I mean it. And if you're still without Sanka, it comes in the regular and comes in the instance. The instance comes in a little bottle and one, two, three, with a little boiling water, you have the most delicious cup of thank. So, so don't linger. So don't linger. After all, a word to the wise. Shouldn't it be sufficient? I got to go now to serve the supper. <laughs> I remember saying that. But yeah, I love it. She starts off, she's like, and she keeps going. I, she has to be reading from a screen because she just goes through this whole spiel about how Sanka is so great. It takes out all of the all of the caffeine, but ninety percent of the caffeine's taken out, so the sleep is left in. I <laughs> know. Yeah, so you feel rested, but also invigorated. Yeah, all of that. She goes on and on about it. And at very first, I thought, oh yeah, this is just like the intro. And then I was like, wait, no, this is an ad. Uh-huh. <laughs> ad before the episode, and and I I thought that's one thing where it's so different now. We have product placement everywhere for mm-hmm. it's not obvious you don't notice it it's all meant to be subliminal um i love i there's a uh guy there's some guys out there on youtube that called cinnamon sins i'm not pushing them but but they <laughs> will go through and count every time there's product placement and, oh wow uh, and it's so much more than we ever know yeah i'll bet um, i bet you i'd be really surprised i i, I think i catch a lot of it but i bet you i'd miss 90 percent uh, uh, I think the winner at this point is um, Transformers. The product <laughs> placement in that is just, it's like they vomit product placement. Oh, my gosh. But, but in this period of time that we're talking about, it was completely obvious. It was very much in your face. But it was kind of, I mean, but it was endorsed by these. Pro- I love it because it's like it, you're, like you said, it's taken from radio programs. They do it exactly like radio programs did it, where. You know, they have this little lead-in, and then they do their bit, and, and you see it really well on um, the Ghost Breakers with um, Bob Hope, because he actually plays a radio personality in it, and he does his little introduction, and he talks about this coffee, and then he goes through and he does this segment, and then he talks about the coffee one last time, you know, and does the, the keynote that they sign off on, you know, <laughs> and, and she does the exact same thing, so it's so interesting, because this is really very much a radio format. They they have the introduction but it's definitely supported by a specific product for that episode. And it, they make it very obvious. So, sorry, I just that was one of my famous um, monologues. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting. I loved it. Thank you for, for mentioning it. Yeah, it absolutely. Good. No, I thought it was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, the episode itself kind of revolves around um, uh, Molly's cousin, Simon, who's come to visit, who apparently really loves her cooking or just loves any cooking. You get the impression the man likes to eat. 
and kind after of, kind of a greedy jerk actually maybe, well yeah baby and after <laughs> like the <laughs> after the third or fourth helping of her uh, noodle pudding or noodle kugel for those of through those in the know uh, <laughs> he doesn't feel any. He doesn't feel terribly good. He needs to take a little bit of a lie down. They end up calling the doctor, and the, the doctor tells him that he they they can't move him. He has to stay in the apartment. They they move in a hospital bed and everything. Hey. Hey, I'm telling you, Mom, you shouldn't have three portions of noodle pudding. Oh, it should only be nothing. Mm, nothing it is. Love oh. Simon, I never did, but I never hated him either. Oh, it should only be nothing. It should be. Goldberg? Doctor, Doctor, what do you think? Mrs. Goldberg, I'd like you to get me a little hot water. Yes, because Doctor. Because I have to sterilize the needle. I'm going to give him an injection. Yes, Doctor, dear. It'll ease his pain. Yes. Sedate him. Yes, Doctor, dear. Sedate him. Not right away. Not right away. No, You've I got to sedate right him first. Yes. What's your diagnosis, Doctor? Well, it may be... A myocardial infarction, secondary to a coronary thrombosis. My voice. It may be an acute exacerbation of a chronic cholecystitis. Chronic cholecystitis. Plain English, doctor. What does that mean? Under no circumstances must the patient be moved. It could be thrombosis. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I love the accents. I'm sorry. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is. I, I mean, it is entertaining from the. You know, again, it's kind of that caricature. But again, but you know, I didn't know if it was okay to laugh. I, so I was kind of like, well, this is interesting, but I don't know if it's serious. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my wife is Jewish, and she was sitting there watching this a little bit of this with me, and she's sitting there watching. She's like, you do know I have relatives that do talk like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's also kind of the thing is you. Yeah, I I just couldn't tell. I just couldn't tell. I had no idea. Yeah. But yeah, cousin Simon ends up laid up in the apartment and starts, you know, sort of rethinking his life uh, along with his family because he's been given a little bit of grief by Molly and Molly's husband about how he sort of ignores all the rest of the family and he's just this big businessman and he's he's busy, he doesn't care about anybody else. He doesn't call the family, he doesn't call his mom, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh and it's not a completely – it's one of the more rare storylines, but I'm pretty sure it's a storyline that I think I've seen since. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go into the whole I – mean, in fact, I'm not really going to go into the whole plot details of all of these because I figured there'd be a lot to talk about just around the peripheral of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, a, it was still a very interesting to watch. It was fun to watch. And for a lot of the points that we've brought up already, the the lack of the sound of the laugh track, for one thing, was, I thought, very interesting. Um, the, like you said, you would, you feel like that maybe this is written and performed as caricatures, but I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it was a really interesting sort of, I guess, snapshot of the time of a very particular uh, sect of people. Mm-hmm. And from that alone, I think it's, really interesting to to watch and and this is one i'd actually i'm interested in actually going and watching other episodes i'd be curious i again i i just struggled with it just from the perspective that i didn't know where it was intentionally funny versus 
where I'm just, you know, a heartless cruel. Yeah, you don't want to be cockney you know? and racist or something. or <laughs> <laughs> Middle class, yeah. white. You know, like, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, all that, that said, it, it, I agree. It, it, from a historical standpoint, at least, it's very interesting to watch. Um, this, this particular storyline, I, I think it's more common from Simon's perspective in movies. I think we see it a lot. Um, yeah. That whole, you know, him rethinking his life and all of that. But the, the the family itself is the focus is definitely it's it's just a, a modern sitcom. I, I guess there's no such thing as a modern sitcom. I guess they're all. Yeah, it's starting to. Yeah, I don't know if there really is a classic <laughs> and a modern because as as I've discovered, they they're pretty much all the same. They're very similar. <laughs> they really are. So, and you know, and it's, it's, I did notice the pattern where, you know, it starts off with the family in a certain situation and it ends with them. Somehow they always come back around to that same situation. And you see that on any, almost on any uh, serial TV program anymore, you see that. And there's actually a point I want to get back. I want to get back to this one after we've discussed uh, the third one that we're going to discuss. There's a, uh, an interesting uh, difference between the two, at least I think there is. In my head, there is. We'll see if, when we talk it through whether there really is or not. But I want to come back to, uh, to to that. Right now, I think we want to jump to the next, uh, our next episode, our next show. Yeah. And we tune into the Jack Benny show. Ah. Uh, uh. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, that was an interesting noise, but it yeah. was true to how I feel at the moment. I loved this. <laughs> I, I got to say, I loved the Jack Benny. It was so funny and uh, you know again there was a little bit of that relief when that laugh track was introduced and i couldn't tell if it was in front of a live audience or if it was a laugh track this one was a live audience okay so which is funny because the first two laughs sounded exactly the same and then after that it it changed up but having that live audience or a laugh track in either situation it made it a lot easier to know where the laughs were supposed to be at least let, I, let, I, let me just say, I believe it was a live audience, but I don't know. It maybe it was a little bit. It could be a little bit of both, even. Um, but I always thought that he performed in front. I thought this was a show that was done in a live audience. That would make sense to me. So I, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I I would believe either way. Um, but but there it was. As it went on, the last it definitely changed. So either they had a wide variety of laughs on the live track, or they just had a live audience which would be a lot cheaper but <laughs> um but no this i i loved it the the intro and then you know his little kind of asides and uh, i'll just i'll let you go you've got i'm sure you've got more <laughs> i do i have some stuff i, I got stuff <laughs> go. <laughs> well for those who may who may not know and if you don't shame on you uh jack benny is a comedian of stage and screen who got his start in vaudeville at the age of 17 playing the violin he worked for many years touring and forming one partnership after another until 1932 when he jumped into the new medium of radio, appearing for the first time on Ed Sullivan. Um, again, if you don't know who Ed Sullivan is, shame on you. Go shame look it you. up. <laughs> uh, from there, he hosted several shows on several networks, honing his act and his character, the famously cheap, vain, and perpetually 39. It was 19, 1949 when he began producing the Jack Benny program. And the show ran on various networks over the course of some 15 years. Uh, episode that uh, I chose for this 
for this discussion was from 1952, entitled Jack Gets Robbed. Now, let's see. Now, yeah, this is – it was so much fun because the show opens up with very much a Jack Benny variety show. I mean, it is – hey, we're going to come out on stage. He introduces himself. It's all very, you know, no – you're breaking the fourth wall. It's not any kind of pretense about being in any kind of situation that you would expect in a situation comedy, at least not at first. <laughs> Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Lucky Strike program. I'm Jack Benny. Well, the reason I mention that is because CBS has just added a new station in Mexico, you see, and I look so much like Tito Gazar. But you know, this is our third show, television show, and our last show, the one we did about four weeks ago, we did a play called Buck Benny Rides Again. And we had the most terrific response after that show. We got so many wonderful letters. Really, I, I can't tell you how many letters we got. And they were from such intelligent people, too, you know. As a matter of fact, I got one letter from a college professor. Did you know that execrable means lousy? <laughs> But anyway, here we are doing another show. Gosh, the way time flies, I can't get over it, you know. It just seems like, I don't know, it goes by so fast, you see. Here we are already, tomorrow's December 1st, then next week, December 8th, December 16th, and there's, uh... And there's 106 days only till March 15th. That's the government's Christmas. I think I'll have to pay a lot this year, too, but then what can I do? I mean, you know, I'm too old to cry, and it hurts too much to laugh. <laughs> I was quoting Lincoln there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I, um... Now we want to get on with the show, and first of all, I'd like to introduce... Oh, before I introduce Bob Crosby... And we get to see Bob Crosby comes on and sings a little song after a little um, political humor uh, with, a, with a young autograph hound. Is this Bean Crosby's brother? I believe it is. Ah, that... For some reason, that didn't click until you said it just a second, but yo, that's right, because on... The the road to Bali, he has Bob come on for a shot. Yeah, for a shot in the picture. <laughs> yeah, a shot. I promise him a shot in the picture. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! So this is our second time seeing Bob. Yeah, <laughs> we need to find an actual film. Does he do not do films? Come on, we need to find. No idea. What's the deal with this? Interesting thought. We gotta look some up. But before they get him on there, I love the whole bit with Barbara. Barbara. Oh, Barbara Truman. Margaret Truman, I think. Margaret it? Truman. Oh, Margaret. my gosh. Mm -hmm. was, yes, Margaret, thank you. Yep. Barbara. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Definitely a little bit of political humor going on. Uh, consider the time, nineteen, you know, early 1950s here. Uh, Jack being a cute little blonde girl, little with the, 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 the curls, almost, um, almost Shirley Temple curls. Mm -hmm. uh, she was adorable. Definitely 1940s curls, absolutely. Oh, yeah. 
she comes up looking for an autograph. Of course, uh, introduces herself as Margaret Truman. Who, oh, she's just visiting. She lives in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Her dad, yeah, he, he works there. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And it, it kind of highlights a little bit of what makes Jack Benny sort of famous. The, the man does more with silence than almost any other comedian ever has. <laughs> he does. He plays the straight man. And it's interesting to see a an individual actor playing the straight man. Yeah. That I I don't know that I've ever I, I can't well, I suppose now the great ones who do that are uh, you know, Steve Martin and well, sometimes Steve Martin. Sometimes he's the tricky guy. Uh, you know, Will Farrell and you know, as a really great straight man, but yeah, this is I definitely I think the earliest version that I've seen. Right, and I think maybe that's why I just assumed it was a live audience because Jack Benny appears to at least anyway play off the audience. That he's the straight man to the audience. It's like everyone else gets the joke, and he's just he's right. he's just the reactionary. He, he just yeah. he just reacts to everything that's going on around him with you know either just silence the the wide eyed look at the audience that's all he does and it's 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 funny <laughs> it really yeah. works the man the man spent a lot of time getting it right and he got it right well yes we do get a little song from Bob Crosby who uh, sings along with this little uh, Margaret Truman which was not actual uh, any relation to President Truman. The young lady's name was Beverly Washburn. So yes, no, 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 no real relation to the Trumans. Um, I did get a kind of Which a is kick. Funny. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I I googled Margaret Truman, and there was a Margaret Truman who was born in in 1924 who was a singer. <laughs> and so I got really confused. Uh. <laughs> so, um, I wasn't sure if uh, this was the same girl or not, but I suppose she would have been. Well. About 15. Uh, nope, 20, 25. In yeah, I could be getting it all wrong, too. Maybe it's not a political thing. Maybe it's a, a, no, no, a, it was a, a rival a or joke. something. Washington, D.C., and her father worked there for another couple of months. Yeah. It was yeah, crazy. yeah. No, that's true. Until January 20th, I think. Yeah, was January 20th. <laughs> well, there was another, uh, well, and maybe it was a double sort of joke, because Bob Crosby, um, he, he gets introduced to Margaret Truman. And he shakes your hand. And is like, oh, uh, sorry, I didn't recognize you without Jimmy Durante. So maybe there's okay. That's where I picked up on the singer. And then <laughs> because... yeah, and then and then it's uh, then it's Jack. He says, no, 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 diff, diff, different Margaret Truman. <laughs> so so I think it's a yes. joke on top of a joke. <laughs> I think so. Actually, I totally yes. I had forgotten about that part, but you're right. There's definitely some. There are layers of humor involved. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Bob sings a cute little song. He sings some songs from Peter Pan, from Disney's Peter Pan. But this is where I think it's fun, because after the song, then it really it turns into the situation comedy that the performance that we just saw on stage was a performance of the Jack Benny show, and now we see Jack Benny at his house after the show. See, now, I this was a part where I would totally believe that it is in front of a live audience. And the reason for that was the responses to the gags in the second part were so reactive uh-huh. that I just took for granted that it was in front of a live audience. Yeah, absolutely. But I just thought that was a really interesting, very 
talk about breaking the fourth wall. Uh, I don't know. It's just <laughs> it's his bedroom. <laughs> it was very it, yeah, and it was just very the whole I, the whole thing is just very meta. It what it, you know what it reminds me. I was thinking, has this been done since? And the first thing that came to my mind was Home Improvement. Was sort of you know you get to see the life of the the guy who has the show, and you get right. to see the show as well as the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And I kind of think that's kind of what we were seeing here. If I was going to give it any kind of like modern comparison to get people to understand <laughs> what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, this is where it gets absolutely ridiculous and absolutely terrible amount of fun. Live. What's that? Saturday Night Live, where that- they start off and it's very much a show and they do, you know, they'll do a clip. Okay. Yeah. And they'll actually okay. talk to the audience. And then they'll go and they'll do their skits, and then they come back and talk to the audience again. Yeah, um, all right, sorry. all right. I, I was like, there's a, there's another version. <laughs> so, I mean, this is really sort of a, a live entertainment show more than a situational comedy. Um, but they definitely do have that, the skits involved, I suppose, or the, the clips. Yeah, I mean, now that you mention it, now that I think about it, you go back, you, Carol Burnett, same thing. Yes. She come out, does yes. a thing, and then they do all the skits, and then she comes and do the Q&A. It's all, yeah, you're right. I hadn't even, didn't even cross my mind, but, but you're absolutely right. Any show by any host, yeah. You know, I mean, they did have the Bob Hope show at one point, and I, oh gosh, there were so many that have come and gone, but um anyway, I'm sorry, continue. Please. No, but I it guess you know, the only difference, bedroom. the only difference that I can... <laughs> I can see to those is the fact that he's still playing the same guy. That's where I kind of compared yes. it to uh, to Home Improvement. It's still totally you know absolutely. Tim Taylor or whatever who has right. this show, <laughs> and then he goes home. So I, that's where I found I, I did the connection there. It wasn't just it, crazy skits that you know in playing different characters. It's the same person. Right. He just happens to have this well, show, and now we're here. Here he is at, at you know at home with his uh, with his butler and. And the, I, I honestly, I think the Muppets did that. And then when they <laughs> would be themselves and the Muppets would be themselves. I, I know that's kind of a funny comparison. It is. I'm engaged to a guy that loves the Muppets. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this skit does have some of the uh, some of the greatest old gags. Uh, you've got the the dripping faucet that only drips when you get out of bed to fix it. It only drips when you're in bed, and then right, or yeah, excuse me, it stops stops dripping as soon as you get out to, to go to go fix it. Well, the whole the butler buying him or his his valet, I suppose he is buying yeah. him those outrageous pajamas. <laughs> yeah. Good old and Rochester. He, yes, and he comes. Oh, in the whole the the whole different cities that all of Rochester's related. <laughs> Did you watch the show? Oh, yes, boss. How'd you like it? I thought it was excellent. What? Excellent. Oh. <laughs> Say, Rochester, uh, how about that little girl? You know, the one that came on and asked me for an autograph, said her name was Margaret Truman. Wasn't that, wasn't that a coincidence? Oh, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? She told me her father was a piano player. She lived in Independence, Missouri, and her father was going to work until... Until the 20th of January? That could happen. What do you mean that could happen? That's silly. Well, that's... I, that, that really is a coincidence. No, no, I don't know, boss. Now, now, take me, for instance. Yeah? My name is Rochester, and I was born in Rochester, New York. I know, I know. Now, I, I got a brother named Toledo. He was born in Ohio. Oh, good old Toledo. Yes, I know. <laughs> then, uh, then 
cousin. His name is Missoula. He was born in Montana. Missoula? Mm-hmm. And I got another cousin named Duluth. He, he was born in Minnesota. No kidding. Duluth, born in Minnesota. Well, what do you know? I'm just going in and brush my teeth. I'll be right back. I want to get right to bed. All right. <laughs> Hello? Minneapolis? Is that long distance? No, another cousin. <laughs> and it's all a coincidence because they just happen to be born in the state where that city is. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cracked me up, but that was... This whole, I'm sorry, I love the whole Jack that he showed. Just totally cracked me up. This is one I would go back and watch. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, I honestly, I think to watch every one of these from the beginning would just be hours and hours of entertainment. And it's still funny. You it know? is. It, I think the funniest, gag. the funniest sight and prop gag I think I've seen in a long time. <gasps> Is yes. Benny? He, he oh, I can't fall asleep. You're gonna have to help me out. Oh, you know, Rutgers like that's gonna take too. That's too much effort. He's like, I don't care. It's the only way I'm gonna fall asleep. So they actually rigged his bed, his big four poster bed, to be able to raise off the stage so Rochester can fold down the uh, the the four posts so they turn into what would how would you call it? It turns it into a, a giant wa- a giant rocking, rocking crib. <laughs> It is hilarious. It's he hysterical. And then he says, slow down a little bit. I didn't take my seat. Yeah, I, I didn't take any Dramamine. My dra- yeah, I didn't know if he said Dramamine, but yeah, exactly. I this I, I agree. Hilarious visual gag. And then you get to the bit where the guys are breaking in to steal from him. Them trying to get out of his house is hilarious. Yes, did, did I mention Jack Benny? One of the, the characteristics of Jack Benny's character is he's extremely cheap and frugal. and he's positive everyone is out to get his his stuff and so his bedroom his entire house is like um booby trapped and then what was the uh thing that they couldn't get out the window without a dime (laughs) they had to pay a quarter to (laughs) To open the window window. and that made me laugh i thought every guy that breaks into this house has to pay him to get out he's probably getting rich off it absolutely and did you recognize did you recognize uh, one of the burglars. No. You won't I, recognize him by sight, but you'd recognize him by voice. One of the no. burglars was, was Mel Blank. Oh, well, I'm not sure I'd recognize Mel Blank. Bugs you Bunny? You know more than I do, though. Bugs <laughs> Bunny? No. Yes. <laughs> I honestly, I've never known Bugs Bunny's voice actor's name oh my lydia slap your wrist take a back i'm i'm i am taking i am not a cartoon watcher i i just am not (laughs) i think it stems from when i was a child we weren't allowed to watch much tv so i I, almost at one point we didn't even own a tv for a long time when i was a kid oh wow you were abused i was definitely (laughs) I was definitely deprived. Uh, but the first cartoons that I was really able to watch on a regular basis were like Tailspin and DuckTales. Oh, um, wow. So okay. I, we were not allowed to watch Looney Tunes when I was a kid because it was too violent. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, there's a little history for you uh, Orphan Entertainment listeners. Yeah, well. <laughs> Something you weren't expecting to find out. No. But no, I, so I didn't see, I actually didn't watch Looney Tunes until after I was like in junior high. Wow, okay. Yeah, we weren't allowed to watch it. So, sorry, Mel Blank. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure our, many of our listeners will be thrilled to hear this and would be happy. <laughs> Can't wait to look out to the episode. <laughs> to hear what they have to say. <laughs> and uh, they'll be thrilled to go into the episode and listen to him and actually see the voice of Bugs Bunny. Now I have to go back. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of lines, but he has a few lines. And if you listen carefully, yeah, you, it, it's unmistakable. <laughs> Well, I think finally we want to take a peek into the life of Riley. Uh, again, based on a radio program starring William Bendix as Riley, which initially aired on the Blue Network. I'm guessing the Blue Network didn't mean the same thing as a, what a Blue Network might mean today. Uh, this was later known. <laughs> what's that? Oh, I just, uh, that's pretty much what I okay. said. <laughs> now, I'm sorry. I have to ask. I take it there was no red network. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a little history humor for you guys. <laughs> yes, all right. Sorry. Oh, everybody would have been scared to work there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it aired on this network that would later be known as ABC from 1944 to 1945. Uh, it moved to uh, NBC, where it was broadcast from 45 to 1951. When the show first went to television in the fall of 1949, it was none other than Jackie Gleason of Honeymooners fame that held the title role of Riley. It was only a single-season telecast, but still managed to garner television's first Emmy for Best Film Made For and Shown on Television. The next incarnation ran from 1952 to 1958 on NBC, and then uh, again starred William Bendix reprising the role from radio. And the show that we're going to discuss here is called Family Reunion, which aired in the spring of 1953. Now, this is a show, you were talking about some sitcoms through the 80s. This is an 80s sitcom, if you had to describe it you know, with anything. This is the sort of... Um, married with children. Married with children. Uh, very much, well, a little less, a um, little bit more on the PC side. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, but you have that same kind of father character that's, I think, ultimately an idiot. Yeah, you've got the idiot father. You've got the <laughs> you got the beautiful wife that's really smart, but of course has to make her husband think that he's the he's the head of the family, <laughs> and you know the kids that are all still smarter than dad. And uh, a little bit, everybody loves Raymond. Yeah, ab- uh, absolutely, absolutely. And this is probably why this is probably my least favorite of the ones that we've watched <gasps> because. Really? Yeah, it really is because it's this. It, it's I loathe this type of sitcom. Well, and let's put it this way too: it is very slanderous of the character of people similar to yourself. Uh, you know, married guy maybe has kids. You know, has an intelligent wife. Where <laughs> I identify more with the intelligent wife, so I think it's funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, uh, so to be fair, I think probably your situation in life will have a little bit of influence on whether or not you like this program. Okay. Um, but, but I thought, you know, I thought the gags were funny. Yes, a bit more wholesome because of the era. Right. Uh, but, but <laughs> yeah, both the guys, and I think it was, it was interesting because, um, the, the main character, the father, as well as his father, 
are exactly alike. Yeah. <laughs> just, they are just exactly alike. And of course, neither of them would ever think so, but they just, uh, it, it just made me laugh as, as you know, the story kind of progressed and you kind of get to see that. The story revolves around the family, uh, unbeknownst to Riley, uh, I guess his wife entered their name or something in some sort of radio contest. And the winner of the contest gets their parents flown to them for a family reunion. And apparently uh, Riley here hasn't really spoken or visited with his parents in like a decade, yeah. which I, okay, I guess that well, happens. Well, they call them <laughs> twice a year on their anniversary. <laughs> right. Yeah. Give me a bite of that sandwich, Riley. I ain't had no breakfast neither. Why do you suppose Peg wanted to get me off to work early? There's no figure in wives. All I said for Honey Bee was drop dead, and she run me right out of the house. And her aim's getting better every day. The kids acted kind of funny, too. Well, maybe Peg's got someone coming to rent that spare room. Not a chance. I forbade her. I'm saving that room for when my dear old parents come out to live off of me. Or well, when's that gonna be? I'll bet you ain't kicked in with a buck in five years. Is that so? I sent him to regular. Are you kidding? If it wasn't for your old man's social security, he'd be pushing a push car to Flatbush Avenue. That's a lie. I love my dear old parents. They're like a mother and father to me. <laughs> when was the last time you wrote to them? I sent them a postcard regular twice a year on their anniversary. I bet you don't even know when their anniversary is. Is that so? They'll be married 50 years next week. Next week? That's right. That gives me plenty of time to pick out a fresh postcard. You dope. Their anniversary is this week. Huh? I remember when you wrote them last year. But that can't be. How could I forget my dear old mother and father? With your brains, it's easy. I got to worry. I got to phone them. Here comes the bus. You can do that later. I'll go home on my lunch hour and call them on my telephone. Big deal. On their golden wedding, they're going to get a long-distance call. Collect. <laughs> How are they going to pay for it? Which cracks me up when he said that. <laughs> he says a lot of things like that. So yeah, he does. We're not, this is not the brightest bulb in the bucket. No, no. Uh, which was rather frightening because apparently he's supposed to be a riveter at an airplane company. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And then, of course, you know, hilarity ensues because they have to try to, it's supposed to be a surprise to him and they have to try to keep it all hidden. You know, the, the parents are in the house, but they're trying to set up the house and wire the house for the television broadcast or the radio broadcast, I guess it is. And they're trying to hide it from Riley so he doesn't know what's going on. And so he's surprised. And it is all, like I said, it's just, it's the same stuff that we have seen over and over ever since. Exactly. It's, wow, there is nothing new under the sun. <laughs> there really isn't. <laughs> and I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not using that to diss this program. I'm dissing every program that came <laughs> after. Everything since it. Yes. <laughs> but, but you're absolutely right. You have the two kids, you, you know, the mom and the dad, and then, you know, one boy, one girl. And so it's, it's, intended to appeal to each member of the family so family can sit down and watch it together and everybody's engaged but really the there's the main character of it is this guy that just stumbles around and gets everything wrong mm -hmm. so uh, and i think that and i just i don't know i just i don't like the comedies that rely on one of the characters to being you know essentially a total idiot. an idiot right yeah 
And that's why I think I really liked the comedy that you got out of the Goldbergs because mm -hmm. the comedy came from the situations that the family found themselves in. And there, it didn't rely on one particular person having to be clueless every, you know, all the time or, or misunderstanding all the time. And well, now see, and I would actually almost argue that in the Goldbergs, Simon was that character. Okay, uh, Maybe. All right. So I almost, you know, it'd be, it would be interesting to see more episodes to see if maybe it's not this normal everyday family that has to deal with a bunch of idiots coming into their lives. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, that's, it's possible that that's kind of how it goes, but you know, and it's, I think also it relied so heavily on that external character coming into the house. It might be interesting to see an episode where it's just the family dealing with something instead of, you know, it, it, they might have thrown something off. We might have not really seen the family as their regular characters. Yeah, I'll admit, after watching these three and as we, I was kind of doing the preparation for the podcast, I started thinking that maybe we might have kind of cheated ourselves by only watching one of three mm -hmm. very different types. But I, my initial thought when I set it all up was to try to get sort of like a, a, a sort of a cross section. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and maybe what if we do it again in the future and I would like to do it again in the future is, is probably pick one particular show and watch and a few watch episodes. A of, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that, that would be worth considering. <laughs> yes, I think so. And it wasn't something, honestly, it didn't occur to me until after watching these three and then finding myself, well, now we got to kind of to compare them, but it's not, a, it may not be a fair comparison since we only got, effectively one episode a piece. <laughs> yeah. And well, that's something else that I think has carried over is you can walk into a show in the middle of it, even today and, and kind of understand what's going on. But if you don't know the background, you probably aren't going to really know the, you're not going to understand the funniest part. Right. You know, okay. Or the most interesting part. So, I mean, where you have these extended sitcoms, you kind of have to know the story to really get the most out of it. So I think it's, it's designed to make you continue watching it. You have to carry through and see every every week or at least, you know, a, a, cross, a, a long period of it in order to really understand it. And that definitely is, is true today, too. Yeah, maybe. Does that I, make any sense at all? Make sense in my A head. little bit. But I do, I do think that these episodes, much like a lot of the sitcoms that you know, we might have grown up, well, maybe not you because you weren't allowed to watch TV, <laughs> but I grew up with, I guess, through the through the 80s and then into the 90s was the idea that, you know, at the end of the episode, everything's fine. And when you tune in next week, whatever happened last week, it didn't matter. Isn't going to matter. But you aren't going to know the characters. Yes, is that is true. To say. You're not going to really understand the characters unless you do see it for a little bit. And so... And so I think, you know, that's that's where they try and hook you in and keep you from, from episode to episode. But it is interesting. We do tend to have, in modern TV, we do tend to have more story arcs. And honestly, I that may not be fair to say it's such a broad statement, especially like in British television, at least now we see. And, I, you know, we saw that in earlier British television, too, where there was actually a story arc and things progressed from one thing to the next. Right. Um, often in the form of a miniseries. But with at least with a more extended kind of storyline. I think I want to go ahead and go ahead and jump to our ratings. Cause I think that pretty much serves as final thoughts, unless you have anything else. Well, I'm going to struggle with ratings. 
<laughs> because we have three very different programs that are, I mean, similar and yet also different. And I think as a grouping, it's impossible to rate them. As a group, I think it is too. So I was thinking maybe to actually go ahead and, and rate each one individually. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'll let you go first on this one. <laughs> All right. Well, for the Goldbergs, I think I gave I, I gave it a three and a half, which I think was, you know, under those circumstances, I thought was a, a, a fair and a pretty good rating. Uh, it's a rating that says I'd be interested in seeing more of it. I'd like to actually go and watch a few more episodes. And and like you were saying, you know, find out exactly what is the gist of the episode. Is it is it really, like you said, just idiot, idiot of the week that come in and everyone else reacts to it? Or do they have stories that are just contained in, in the apartment with the family? So it would be interesting to see. Uh, Jack Benny, easily a four. Uh, I'd almost go as high as a five, honestly. Uh, it was probably the best out of these three. It was so much oh, fun. Easily, it was, I think. It was laugh I, out loud. Mm-hmm. It really was. I, I, I could get myself in trouble if I'm watching these at work, which of course I wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, no, of I course not. No. <laughs> but yeah, they definitely laugh out loud, funny. Uh, and Life or Rally for me, I've, I'd only give it a two. I just, I really didn't like it. That, that's, I just didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that's fair. These are definitely our opinions. I am actually going to be exactly flipped from yours. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with two on the Goldberg. I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was bad. Okay. But at the same time, I felt like it was sluggish at points. I felt like the writing was a little bit complicated. I felt like it was very contrived. Um, I felt I felt like the mm. entire storyline was very contrived, and I felt like I knew everything that was going to happen long before it happened. Well, uh, yeah, that is true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm going to run with the two on that, um, and the. I mean, you know, it, as as I said, as a piece of history, I think it's. I'm glad we have it. I'm glad I've seen it. I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing another episode, um, but you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily seek it out as a priority. All right. Uh, but with with the Jack Benny show, I'm definitely I'm four, four and a half, five. We're gonna say high. Um, I, I'll <laughs> say five, and then that way we can right. give it a collective four and a half. <laughs> um, honestly, I think it's like the Carol Burnett show. It never, I don't think it's ever going to go out. I think the the gags in it. It I, never stops some, being funny. Yeah, It doesn't. And some of the history, you know, you're going it, to, it'll take you a little bit or maybe a little bit of research to understand why certain things are funny in it. But even just how he presents the things you don't understand is often funny. Right. So, um, yeah, a, a very, a very, very strong show, and I'd love to see more of it. So, yeah, we'll go with five. All right. And then I actually enjoyed The Life of Riley. I thought it was a little less contrived. I liked that they did add in they, – they did a good job building the gags. So, you know, you've got the guy on the roof when Riley comes home and then, you know, the guy behind the sofa and then the guy in the closet. You know? <laughs> and, and one guy there is funny. But three guys there is hilarious. (laughs) So I thought they did a really good job building each of the gags that they did, you know, and and the very end of it was really very funny. Um, How, you know, it builds up and builds up and they finally get to this climax and it's just him going off, you know. (laughs) So without saying too much, I thought that was hilarious. That's exactly the kind of thing that happens to me, you know, and I'm just like, I, 
oh, this is so, like, I, I'm really not a horrible person most of the time. <laughs> I, I won't say all the time, but, but no, I thought, I thought they did a really good job building up the gags. And yes, it's from a certain period. It's a little bit older. It's going to be a little bit more wholesome. And, you know, some of the family relationships are not going to be quite as believable because no kids are that perfect. But I thought that the, the parts that they were, the, the parts that carried the story along, I felt were well done. And I thought the humor was really well placed. So All right. I would give that at least a three. I would say a strong three for me. All right. That's good. Well, very good. Well, you know, this pretty much proves uh, the, the old adage that comedy is subjective. <laughs> that is true. And honestly, you know, it's one of these things that I hear you give your arguments and everything. And it start, it makes me start thinking, Oh yes, did she does make him a good point about that? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I start, I start well, thinking about the Goldbergs like, well, that is contrived. I did know yeah. what was going to happen. <laughs> so I think, you know, is a, is a, how valuable is it on the scale of history? The Goldbergs I think is, is more valuable than the life of Riley. But you know, when you're looking at just pure entertainment value, I think, I think maybe that's, more what I'm judging it based on. I'm still going to give it a pretty good score, I, I, but I think I'm going to take it down to half a point and just call it, just give oh. it a solid three. Just give it a solid three, just <laughs> just because you you did kind of remind me, you did remind me that it was like, well, that, that is a good point. That you know, nothing really came surprised to me. You know, I knew exactly what was going to happen at the end of this thing. So, mm-hmm. all right, so I'll take yeah, another I'm half point to, off. I'm not trying to talk you down, but no, 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 no. I, I talked myself down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yes, it does give us almost a perfect uh, mirror there. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, believe me, I could probably easily if if I had watched two or three Jack Bennies, it would probably would have been a five. <laughs> probably. I and he, again, you know, I just, I'm gonna pop it up to a five just because I think it deserves a higher rating than a four. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, yeah, there are arguments that uh, yeah, there's some stuff in it that's not perfect. But honestly. I, there's not a lot in it that's not perfect. Well, uh, Lydia, thanks so much for watching these things with me. This was a this was a lot of fun, and we will definitely dive back into the early days of television again. I think we have. This is the first time it's been over two years, and this is the first time we've really gotten into television. That is true. It's, I mean, I think we've done a, a TV movie or two, but this is the first time we've actually done any kind of episode. <laughs> those aren't quite the same. Not the same. <laughs> no. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening, and I hope you will continue to download Orphan Entertainment. You can do that through our homepage at orphan-entertainment.janja.net. You can do it by subscribing through iTunes, where you can give us a rating. Five stars are always preferred. And you can leave some comments. And you can listen anytime, anywhere on Stitcher Radio. Join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash group slash Orphan Entertainment, and that is the best way to give us any to get any feedback, suggestions, or just, I don't know, just sit around and uh, shoot the breeze. But uh, again, Lydia, thank you very much. Thank you, Christopher. I never know where to go. I need to figure out exactly where to go out of that. I was like, well, and that's that. <laughs> thanks very much, and thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Good night. Tip, your, tip your weight staff. Oh, the way, this is a TV yeah. show. Um, <laughs> it has to end with, uh, uh, oh, my gosh. This gives Tune a show in how- next week to find <laughs> out what happens. <laughs> for month. the love Tune of in. chair. Yeah. <laughs> that's an electric company reference, people. Look that up. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, Lydia, thanks. Thank you, Christopher. Bye, everyone. Bye.
wow, that scared the crap out I, of me. I even covered the mic. <laughs> wow. I didn't mean to scare you. <laughs> Hang on, I need I need to wipe my own screen now. <laughs> I seriously, I put my hand over the mic to try not to make it quite so loud. Wow. Okay, well, there's our stinger at the end. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. <laughs>